And hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of World Hockey Report here on this Tuesday, June the 7th. Oh my goodness, guys. Only one conference finals remains. Can you even believe it? Well, guess what? Unfortunately, some of us can. At least some of us that picked the Colorado Avalanche to win in five games. We'll discuss all that nonsense and more on another jam-packed episode of WHR. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, here live from the Pro Rock Hockey Studios here in my hometown of Grand Rapids, Michigan. We have so much to get to today, guys. We got a lot of news and notes to talk about. We got the Oilers done. Done like dinner. Done like a good, hard, well-done steak dinner. Doesn't taste good at all. You need to add like a pound of steak sauce to make it taste even decent. That's how bad it is for the Oilers. The Avalanche, though, for the first time in over two decades, they're going to the Stanley Cup Finals. And we'll talk about game four tonight, Tampa versus New York. Big game for the Bolts at home. Have a chance to tie the series. New York, though, a chance to split and move on to at least have a chance to clinch on home ice, something they have not done in eight years, a little bit more recent than the Colorado Avalanche. But we're not going to be just talking with me today. No, no, no. And obviously, you folks that are jumping in the chat as well, be sure to do so because it's going to be a fun chat to be a part of today because we got a lot of great guests today. Eric Friesen's coming on from the Heavy Hockey Network. That's right, 99 Forever Podcast host will be joining me to talk about the Oilers, what's next in Edmonton, and then later on, my buddy, fellow broadcaster Peyton Turnage will jump on in here as well. We'll talk about the Avs and as well as get ready for tonight's game. And as well, if you're watching us here on the Hockey Podcast Network and or 12-Ounce Sports, you see the fact that we are going to cap things off with ESPN's Greg Wyshynski coming up at the bottom of Hour 2. So, lots to get to today, guys. Like I said, jump on in the chat room if you're watching on 12-Ounce Sports and or the Hockey Podcast Network on YouTube or Facebook. And be sure to share the show as well and follow us at World Hockey RPT on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Yep, we're on TikTok too. It's a thing. We're there. And you can follow me as well, the inside of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, at TJKU29. Sean Butcher, the peanut butter man. I am well today, sir. Thank you very much for asking. It is low 70s, so about, thir- about almost at 30, about 22 or 21 degrees Celsius for a lot of our friends north of the border. It's not too bad outside right now. It's getting warmer and a little more humid uh, on the eastern seaboard, so it's a little painful. I actually had to turn on the AC last night. Was not too pleased with that. Also, I'm at risk of running the water in the morning to water the grass. Home ownership, folks, it's a wonderful thing. How are you doing today, Sean? Hope you are doing well in your neck of the woods there in Kentucky. But like I said, guys, we have a lot of fun stuff to get to today here on this program. Like I said, bottom of hour one, Eric Friesen coming on. Then the top of hour two, uh, Peyton Turns later on, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. So with that, we'll get to the note. We'll get to some news and notes here in a second. But right off the top, guys, I got to remind you, Stanley Cup playoff time in the National Hockey League. And if you want to save some money for those Stanley Cup playoff tickets, wherever you are getting them from, be sure to go to SeatGeek right now and use the promo code WHR. When checking out, simple as that on SeatGeek. When you use the promo code WHR, you'll save 20 bucks on your first purchase at SeatGeek. So be sure to check them out, guys. It is a good way to save a few bucks. Sean, you're doing great. Good to hear. Good to hear. Hopefully the peanut butter is smooth, not crunchy. So let's get to some news that happened over the weekend and a lot today. I'll be honest with you. We had quite a bit that happened over the last 24 hours and change. Bruce Cassidy, fired by the Boston Bruins. Now, 
I don't know how to look at this one here. This is, you know, the the it's the first time in gosh, how many years has it been since Boston's been knocked out in the first round? 2017? No, it would have been 2018. I can't it's been a while that the Boston Bruins have been eliminated in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yet here we are. And I listen, guys, I am I'm all for, you know, change, you know, trying to find something new, trying to find something that works. But at the same token, what has Bruce Cassidy done wrong to earn this? Or the inevitable word here, or the inevitable phrase here with a word at the end of it that we could use, are the Boston Bruins going in a different direction? This is a bummer that this did not happen last week because this has been a great thing to talk about with uh, with Adam Brownstein, uh, Brownie from from Morning Skate. This has been a perfect guy to chat about this with because I'm curious to see what the plan is for this hockey club. I'm really, I'm concerned to know what they're going. I mean, obviously David Pasternak is, you know, there's whispers that he might get traded, but I really don't think so. And obviously we're still waiting to hear on Patrice Bergeron, who, by the way, won another Selkie trophy. Uh, it was awarded on Friday. My goodness, this guy is, he racks them up like Pavel Datsuk used to back in the day. Um, Butcher says, I agree with you. Why would you like to fire a coach that got you to the Stanley Cup Finals? I will say this, though, Butcher, that was three years ago. And unfortunately, in today's age, not just with social media, society, what have you, hockey and sports as well, it is a what have you done for me lately sort of thing. But at the same token, to your point, it's not like the Bruins have been bad. They have not missed the playoffs since 2016. What's right? 2016, right? Because I think they made it in 2018. Yeah, right, because, oh, yeah, they made it to the second round, at least, because they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, duh. So that's my point. What is the, where is the sense of urgency? I mean, you have, because the crazy part is this. Yes, everyone's getting older. The perfection line is getting older. Brad Marchand's still playing at the top of his game. The guy is, he might have hit his peak, but he's right there still. Pasternak, when he's healthy, is still playing well. And Bergeron, on every broken limb and punctured lung that he's been playing with for the last how many ever years, is still one of the top two-way centermen in the league. Jacob Jack Eichel is Jacob's daddy. Jacob loves THPN. Vegas will look at hiring Boston coach. We'll get to that in a second. I wonder, though, you know, this team's not bad because look at the goaltending situation they have. In terms of underlying numbers, Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman might be quietly one of the best tandems in the NHL. And Swayman, by the way, just finished his rookie season. Why in the world would they go out on a limb and rebuild when they have young players and their young goaltenders in the system, a number, a legitimate number one candidate now as one of their goaltenders, a couple of good young studs up front. Yes, we know the story with Jake DeBrusque, and, but you have Charlie McAvoy on the back end. And yes, the defense is getting weaker by the year, Matt Grizzlick included, I understand that. But if you can retool, or as David Poyle of the National Predators likes to say, competitive rebuild, why not give that a shot? Why not keep going with it? Because here's the thing. Yes, and if we look at the Atlantic Division, it's getting more and more compact and a little bit tighter. Because you're, you're telling me that the Detroit Red Wings and Buffalo Sabres will not be a little more competitive next season? I know Buffalo's got to figure out their goaltending, but boy, I mean, they have a couple good prospects coming through right now, right? So... Let's hold on that. And Detroit made some great strides that they just not had not tailed off in the second half of the season. They probably would have been within, you know, maybe 10 or so points of a playoff spot. They have, you know, they have Alex Adelkovich, who 
But once again, I have to say this, this was his rookie season, Alex Adelkovich, by the way, and certainly was the better of the two goaltenders in Detroit. They have Mo Sider, who should win the Calder, Lucas Raymond, who could have been a candidate for the Calder, and, oh, I mean, you have, still have Dylan Larkin there, Tyler Bertuzzi, despite him not getting a COVID shot or whatever, is still a very talented player, and they have good leadership there. They're going to be getting a new coach here soon. I'm just saying the Atlantic Division's getting tighter, but to that point, it's going to be interesting to see where the Bruins stack up now, because you don't want to do a rebuild, because I think you'll fall off really quickly. You're going to catapult to the bottom of the Atlantic Division standings before you know it, because I still believe... While it's compact towards the top, I feel like there's going to be more Metropolitan Division teams that might be in the mix next year for a playoff spot. City Light Project, how are you guys doing? Uh, Jack Eichel says, Swayman is probably the best young goalie drafted in the last five to six years. Hard to argue with that. I mean, we see Piotr Kachetkov getting some time with the Carolina Hurricanes, but in terms of really making an impact and being in a stat, possibly a number one goaltender right off the hop, you're right, I would go... Swayman as well. Emoy, hello there. Emoy has got the Colorado Avalanche little avatar there. He must be having himself a day going to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since winning it all in 2001. We'll get to that conversation later when we talk with Peyton Turner to the top of our number two. Just like I said, guys, in 20 minutes time, though, we'll be talking with Eric Friesen getting ready for the Edmonton Oilers. They're trying to figure out what the heck they're going to be doing later on. So Bruce Cassidy fired. Uh, you saw Jack there saying that possibly Vegas. I saw a couple tweets last night. I'm going to get this right out of the way. A couple people came out and said, this is why the Bruins need to hire Mike Babcock. Yes, hire Mike Babcock, the guy that Cassidy beat in back-to-back playoff series, never won a playoff series with the Leafs. Oh, and by the way, it's a bit of a jerk. So I'm just saying, calm your talks with the guys that aren't coached. I it's the same discussion whenever someone says, we should hire John Tortorella. No, nobody should hire John Tortorella. Not even a federal hockey league team should hire John Tortorella. Uh, that game was indeed crazy. The Beer Sports Whatever podcast says, hi, I like, I sub, did you sub? I always sub. I could use a sub right now. A good meatball sub sounds great. Uh, Emoy says, it kind of looked like the Oilers were going to win, but the Avs came back. Yeah, that game was crazy. Sean Butcher, we all sub. Sean does the peanut butter and jelly sub. That's what he does. That's what Butcher does. Uh, in the chat. So it's going to be some questions in Boston. And you know what? I think Bruce, he's not going to be on the, he's not going to be sitting on the side for a little bit or not for too long. No question about it. Cause it's not like he's a bad coach and you know, Dallas has an opening. That's going to be, there's still a lot of questions there. You know, does Winnipeg take a look at making a move towards him? I know Barry Trotz has been associated with the jets, that name at least, you know, so there, there's certainly some questions on where Bruce Cassidy might end up, but don't get me wrong. He, he's going to be in the NHL. I just don't know where or when or how how soon it'll be before someone makes an announcement. Other news, uh, by the way, women's under-18s got started up yesterday. Great little tournament. It's up in Madison, Wisconsin. The, the, it's the closest that women's hockey has to a World Junior Tournament because really by the time they get into college, not many players, they don't like to do the under, like a U-20 tournament. So they have the under-18s, which is big. Uh, Czechia beat the Slovaks for nothing yesterday. Two goals for Adelaide Sapo, Sapovilova. Vilova, my goodness, that's a lot for a Czech name. Uh, four nothing win there. Finland beat Canada for the first time ever in the under 18s. A two nothing win. Amelia Kiriko with a magnificent performance in goal. 40 saves. No Jada Ginla, though, the daughter of Jerome Ginla for Canada. She had an upper body injury right before the tournament. 
that's going to hurt Canada as that this tournament goes along. Uh, Germany's blank the Slovak or the Slovaks again. The Swiss won nothing. Lola Liang with the game-winning goal, the lone goal, and Felicity Luby a 27 shave shutout for the Germans. Good start for them and the Americans. To no one's surprise, throttle the Swedes six to one. Cassandra Hall, Cassie Hall, two goals and an assist. So the Americans off to the right foot. Canada though, 0 and one to start the under 18s. Kind of the where for some reason the under 18s. And Canada do not go well in hand. It's kind of funny how it works. So, but, you know, something you can check out. I know TSN's got coverage for the games in the States. It's ESPN+. Plus. I know the Group B, which is the Germans, the Swiss, Finland, not Finland, uh, Czechia and Slovakia. That's on Hockey TV. That's at the, the other site in Madison. So be sure to check it out, guys. Great women's hockey action going on right now. Speaking of women's hockey, though, we must talk about... Oh, let's look at the chat here. Chat's filling up quick. I need peanut butter back on the shelf. Agreed, Jacob. We all sub to the PB channel. That's right. Emoy says, Every, everyone have a good day. God bless you. I'll see you later. I just wanted to say hello. Hello, Emoy. Be sure to stop by again. We'll be back tomorrow, of course. Cody Jansen on here at World Hockey Report. Women's hockey news. Women's hockey slash NHL news. No, not that kind of news. Not the news we want to hear eventually about a league. That would be amazing. However, Marie-Philippe Poulin, the greatest player in women's hockey history. Sorry, Haley Wickenheiser, you have a special place in my heart. And sorry to all of you Americans that believe Hillary Knight and Cami Granado are some of the best. I'm sorry, but Marie-Philippe Poulin, Captain Canada, Captain Clutch, she's the greatest. She's not just showing that she's going to be one of the greatest players in the history of the sport, let alone the women's game. She's also going into hockey management as the Montreal Canadiens announced that she'll be joining their staff as a player development consultant, which is awesome. We've seen a lot of players over the past, I'd say, couple years take positions with management. Of course, we saw, speaking of Cami Granado, Cami Granado working with the Vancouver Canucks and Rachel Dory, formerly of the Hockey News, as well as going over there and the New Jersey Devils, Rachel Dory going to the Vancouver Canucks. And lots of women, of course, the Montreal Canadiens, who, of course, hired an assistant GM, a first female assistant GM there. And so Marie-Philippe Poulin joining the fold. Not too surprised at all because, A, she's a fantastic player. B, she's French-Canadian. And C, she wants to help, you know, her hometown team, her home province team. So this is a an interesting match. Now, this role is to allow her to play because Marie-Philippe Poulin, despite winning another gold medal and scoring another game-winning goal, has made it perfectly known that she wants to play one more Olympics. Shout out everyone joining and showing Tyler some love. Thanks to the Life Project. You guys are awesome as well. Be sure to check them out, guys, and sub with them as well here on World Hockey Report on this Tuesday edition. But this is why the Montreal Canadiens didn't give her like a GM job or something to that you know, really high end or a scouting job. It's a development consultant, which means she can obviously be involved with as much as she wants. But at the same token, be allowed to play, be allowed to play in the Dream Gap tours and the, well, what seems like inevitable PWHPA league that is in the works right now. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, but having a player like her her level and it's still yes I know she you can say she's on the back nine of her career but she still is the best player in women's hockey today you know have someone at at her level right now is so important for I don't want to say the connect you know to connect the men's and women's games together but to show that women's hockey is certainly somewhere where even the guys say you know what these you know these girls have something going on over there and we like I said we've seen it with a lot of hirings over the last 18 months, we'll even say. And Marie-Philippe Poulin, 
dare we say at this point, is the pinnacle of these moves made by NHL front offices. Now, we don't know. And Doc is going to be like, oh, my goodness, Laval, you know, Rocket de Laval is going to be the best team in the American League next year. And Montreal is going to go, you know, seven for seven with their draft picks. They're all going to make the NHL next year. That's not necessarily the case. It's a development role. She's going to help advise a lot of these young kids. And I will say kids because guess what? For Millie Philippe Lance played for a few years. So she knows a thing or two about playing at high levels of hockey. And she can help these young athletes and young prospects along to becoming excellent NHLers in some form or another. So I'm really excited to see what she does and how she impacts the Montreal Canadiens. BC Hockey Podcast. Hey, THPN. Hello to you as well. Uh, we had a question of the day, and I would, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later with each of our guests. The question of the day that we threw on World Hockey Report's Twitter earlier, how many points would Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have combined for if they had not been swept by the Colorado Avalanche? Right now, as it stands, just under 50% have voted for over 80. As we came in, I believe it was 60, 65. I think it was that they ended with 33 points for McDavid, 32 for Leon Dreisaitl, which is still incredible knowing the amount of pain he was playing through a lot of people said over 80 a few of people a few of you said 200 i put 200 in there just to be for fun but hey you never know if they played tampa bay and they went wide open hockey sure if they had three more games with Colorado avalanche and games like last night and game one sure 200 points would be possible between the two of our first 100 point players in the stanley cup playoffs in one season but Man, I, get, I tell you what, guys, this has been a very fun series. We'll talk about it in just about a little over 10 minutes time. We're going to talk to, like I said, Eric Friesen from the 99 Forever podcast. We will get into what the Oilers have done, what they need to do in the future here, because, you know, it's it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough offseason for them. No question about it, because you had another year where they fell short. And yes, is it their best season since 2006? You're right. It is best season since they made it to the finals 16 years ago, but I'll be it. However, how it ended, just you, even though you can look back and say what a great year this was and they made some strides for sure, knowing they came up short and how they did in this series has got to be, you know, got to be a little, little make a little hot, hot into the collar, some spurs in the saddle, whatever you want to do it. Thistles in the keister. I don't know what you will ever want to say, how to describe it. Edmonton fans probably right now are a little little bummed. Uh, Butcher says probably over 100 points. Not a bad guess at all. Elvin Ferdian, uh, for I hope you say that right, Ferdian. Hello. Uh, Griffin Ramsdell says, go as go. Griffin's happy for the way his team played in the first four games and the only four games of the Western Conference Finals is they have some time off now to rest up. And a couple things we'll mention when we get to Peyton Turnage later on too. Nazem Kadri underwent successful thumb surgery. Now, which pretty much means that the playoffs, which will start next week, given how this is shaping up to be, because obviously they're going to have to go five games minimum in the Eastern Conference Finals, which we'll also talk about later on. Nazem Kadri will not have a fully healed thumb by the time the finals come around. However, how much pain will it be? Because obviously, you know, what Leon Dreisaitl did, I, I still don't know. Like, it's it's one of those things where I, I can't figure out how you play through a, like a sprained ankle. As a former goaltender, no, not a chance. We couldn't even be on the ice. We'd be worthless. Leon Dreisaitl somehow pulled it off. Now, a fractured thumb, though, where, and I believe it was his left hand. Someone might have to correct me on that. When you're holding a stick, you need all five fingers. You obviously have them loose, but if you have a thumb that's not quite working correctly, 
That affects how you handle the puck, how you hold your stick, how you catch a pass, and of course, how you shoot the puck, both backhand and forehand. Especially the backhand, because you're putting a lot of you're putting more stress on your thumbs than you are the other five fingers on your backhand compared to your forehand. So that's going to be an interesting thing going here for the Colorado Avalanche because I really think that the I mean the, obviously it's a good thing that the Ads were able to win last night, get it out of the way. Yes, I know the Oilers didn't have Kane, but losing Nazem Kadri, you know, could have paid you know, could have really hurt them in game 2. It could have really have done a number for the or excuse me, in game four, in game three, it could have really hurt them if they, if Nazem Kadri was unable to, or if they were able to pick up the slack. JT Comfort doesn't score the goal in game three, and obviously everyone in the big guns, including Kale McCarr, put up a great performance last night. How long would it be till it affects the Colorado Avalanche that he's not there? Because we've talked about this in spades, guys. Nazem Kadri in 2018 gets suspended, Leafs losing seven. Yes, he was there for game seven, but he missed a few important games that he would have been great if he was there for. 2019 got suspended the last five was it five games of the series four or five games of the series because he saw the red mist again Leafs lost in seven last year against St. Louis domes Justin Falk they get through St. Louis that was very relatively easy but they really missed him against the Vegas Golden Knights so they are the fact that the Colorado Avalanche were able to win those two games games three and four without Kadri because he got knocked out pretty early in game three Shows that this team has been able to find ways to win games without him. However, in a series that might feature either the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions or this weirdly odd juggernaut with a really darn good goaltender New York Rangers, it's going to be hard for the Avalanche. They're going to be missing something if 91 is not in the lineup. So we'll obviously keep our eyes and ears open for Kadri. I, you know, myself personally, I saw him come up from the London Knights, through the Toronto Marlies, through the Leafs, to being one of the best centers on the team. To I remember the famous game during the 16-17 season when he pretty much mugged Connor McDavid. And I remember that, and I said to myself, man, this guy's it. Kadri for Selkie. And you know that was the closest he came, I think, to that award in his career. And now he's having a career season, a great playoffs, and I hope he's able to come back. And I don't want to say be a shell of himself, but be effective enough to make a difference. Uh, hey, Elaine, that's what City Life Project says. Hey, El- hello, Elaine. So, yeah, this is going to be a, it's going to be an interesting development. Obviously, the time off certainly helps indeed. And we find, we'll talk about Eric Friesen with this as well. Uh, oh, he says Elvin. I'm about to say, I'm like, oh, like, who's Elaine? Hello, Elaine. How are you doing? Uh, Sean Butch says, although an Avs fan myself, I think the Rangers beat the, beat the Lightning were if the Rangers beat the Lightning, we are screwed. Okay, we are screwed. You've got the apostrophe there, Sean. Don't mean to be a grammar Nazi here. If we get Kadri back, maybe not, but their goaltending is elite, and ours not so much. That's going to be something we'll talk about with Peyton Turnage too. Frankie or Kemper? Because Kemper obviously backed up last night, seems to be healthy, and I remember I was listening to the radio the other day. Peter Baugh, the, uh, the athletic reporter for the Colorado Avalanche, pretty much said that it's Franco's net until he loses it. Well, it wasn't a great game for Frankie last night, even though Colorado came out on the winning end. We'll obviously have to see what the decision is from Jared Bednar, even though Franco's, knock on wood, has had the better numbers compared to Darcy Kemper. Like I said, that'll be discussed in hour two, the top of hour two, two o'clock Mountain Time, four o'clock Eastern Time, when we have a discussion with Peyton Turnage. In just a few minutes' time, we'll be talking with Eric Friesen to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. We'll talk about 
the performances of both Connor McDavid and the heroics of Leon Dreisaitl and just trying to figure out how the heck it happened. We'll get to Darnell Nurse. We heard that he was playing with a torn hip flexor, and if anyone's ever had any hip problems before, it's not comfortable, let alone to be able to play 30 minutes a night. And we'll obviously have to talk about their defense, and obviously Mike Smith as well, and we'll get into what's possibly next for the Edmonton Oilers this coming offseason for Ken Holland and, of course, Jay Woodcroft. He is the, <laughs> Jay Woodcroft's the coach, and, you know, he's an intern basis, but, boy, he, he certainly did some, did some stuff and things for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, that's pretty much all it for the, for the news today. Unless something came up that I missed, there's a great chance that that could have happened uh, in the last uh, 25 minutes of me rambling. But yeah, oh, I forgot to mention, Lady Bing winner was announced. Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets gets that award. Congratulations to him. Kyle Connor, a Michigan boy, University of Michigan, gra- or not graduate, but former University of Michigan player, which is pretty much seemed to be the thing of having guys at Michigan play for two years and go to pro. We've seen that even this year with Owen Power and Kent Johnson, Maddie Beneers. Who else am I? Sam Miscavige gets signed. I think it's uh, Nick Blankenberg. Well, Nick Blankenberg was a senior. Long story short, guys that play, you know, they end up going to play in the NHL before graduation. Uh, actually, some signing news here before we go to break. The Dallas Stars signed Dennis Gurionov to a one-year, $2.9 million extension. Now, Gurionov, since that 2010 run to the Cup Final, has been a little underwhelming. So this is a, hey, show us what you got, kid, kind of year for them. Now, yes, Dallas is... Certainly in a spot that makes things a little interesting. We don't know what, you know, how how long can the the veteran core keep going? There's going to be obviously maneuvers and uh, subtractions from this year's team compared to what's coming up next season. What's the status of Braden Holtby? Where are we? I mean, it's probably not going to see guys like Alex Radulov and whatnot. Jake Ottinger is going to be there when we know the part near heroics that he played against the Calgary Flames. My goodness, that was a wild effort by the young man from Buffalo, or Buffalo, Boston, Boston University, excuse me. Uh, Jack Rosovic signed a two-year extension with the Columbus Blue Jackets. That had an AAV of $4 million a year, so $8 million over the next two seasons with the Blue Jackets. Rosovic, another guy that, you know, it's it was kind of a tough way to end, hit, tough go in Columbus last year. Then again, it was for really everybody, even though they had a great start to the year. Second half, though, really tailed off, fell down the Metro, Metro Division standings. Then again, pretty much everyone kind of fell off in the in the Metro. After, I mean, the entire Eastern Conference after what? The American Thanksgiving. So we'll, we'll certainly have to keep our eyes and ears open to see what else comes out of Columbus. That'll be a lot of the things we'll discuss certainly in the offseason. So with that, we are going to take a quick break and we will get into the Edmonton Oilers. We'll go deeper with them. We'll talk about their loss last night, the crazy game that it was. Leads changed. Colorado takes the lead. Edmonton rallies back to tie it. But then Arturi Lekkinen, of all people, does it again, sending his team to the Stanley Cup Finals this time. The Colorado Avalanche. We'll get into that discussion. We'll get to the Avs, like I said, later with Peyton Turnage and Greg Wyshynski, who's also coming up at this show. ESPN's Greg Wyshynski is coming on the show, guys. I'm sorry. Got to kind of smile a little bit myself. We'll be back, though, with Eric Friesen from Heavy Hockey Network and the 99 Forever Podcast next on World Hockey Report.
Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the... And welcome back, everyone, here to World Hockey Report on this Tuesday, June 7th. Yes, hockey in June. Uh, for the, Just for any of you Washington Capitals fans in the chat, a happy Capitals Cup Day if you are one of those who celebrates it. Uh, from the folks who see now, not so much. Andrew Bouchens jumping on in the chat there as well. Thank you, Andrew, for hopping in. Sean Butcher as well. What are we talking about hockey? Don't worry, Andrew. We're not talking about peanut butter anymore. Sean, we got through that already this show <laughs> earlier on. Uh, remember, guys, though, Stanley Cup playoffs, if you didn't do it last night, why didn't you? The WHROT Challenge is back. Arturi Lekkinen would have won someone lucky person a cool pack from Player. That's right. Player has partnered up with us here at World Hockey Report this year. So whenever a playoff game goes to overtime, you have to hop on Twitter Pick your goal scores for both teams. Give yourself a chance, even if you don't like the other team. So whenever a goal is scored, use the hashtag WHROTChallenge to enter to win an awesome World Hockey Report prize pack from player. Once again, hammer down on the hashtag WHROTChallenge. 
to win today. So now we're going to talk about the team that was on the other end of the World Hockey Hockey Report OT Challenge and the other end of the goal last night. The one that made Don Kaharski drop the holy you-know-what on TNT because he's an absolute beauty, Kaharski is, which was hilarious how everyone reacted to it. Let's get to the Edmonton Oilers here. How does this happen? How do they get swept in the conference finals? Well, well, we'll try to figure that out here. From the Heavy Hockey Network, from the 99 Forever Podcast, the host, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program. It is Eric Friesen. Eric, how are you doing today, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Eric, you know, man, first of all, I, I'll say this. when the game, As that game was going last night, how many oh. waves of emotion did you go through watching Edmonton <laughs> take the lead or then give it back and then back and forth. And all of a sudden there was that long intermission of overtime to try to figure out, all right, what do we have to do with literally your, both your big guns producing and everything. What was your wave of emotions like last night? Yeah. I mean, by the time that the Oilers were down three, nothing in the series, you start to get that feeling like it's going to be pretty tough to come back. And it was sort of the same feeling I had last year when the Oilers were down three Oh to the jets you're not necessarily expecting the team to come back and win the series because it's only happened four times in NHL history, but you'd like to at least win a game. And uh, I mean, maybe this is uh, some of the Edmonton bias coming out of me, but I do feel like they deserved a better fate in this series than they got. I didn't necessarily think that they were going to have an easy time with the abs. I, I don't even think the most hardcore Oilers fan would expect that they were going to have a cakewalk here. If they want, we're going to win it all. But I thought that at least one of the last two games at Edmonton, they should have won or they deserve to win. And it comes down to a, you know, a bad bounce here or there that doesn't go their way and ends up in the back of the Oilers net. And last night, especially, like you said, they had a pair of two goal leads in the third period and you felt like, okay, well, we're at least going to get one and send it back to Denver and kind of extend this playoff run a couple extra days. But ultimately uh, the abs prevailed there in overtime and it's, it's, it was a tough pill to swallow. Um, But you know what? I feel very, I'm trying to think of how to describe this. I, I, I don't have the same sense of disappointment that I did the, the past two years when the Oilers were a first round favorite and were upset this year, they made it to the conference final for the first time in 16 years. And I don't know, I'm just very positive about this season overall, despite the obvious disappointment last night. Spoken like a true Maple Leafs fan. <laughs> That's exactly how we all felt after the Leafs were eliminated by the Tampa Bay lightning. Who, like we talk about, we'll get to game four later on. We have a couple mm-hmm. other guests coming on today's show talking Rangers and Lightning, but we're here with Eric Friesen right now. Eric, I mean, the game, I mean, it's, you're right. You know, they made it to the conference finals. It's the furthest they've made it since 06. We mentioned that, but you know, yeah. it, how disheartening is it though, when you have the performances of Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, like there's a chance yeah. Eric, that these two guys could lead playoffs in scoring <laughs> and might not even play in the finals. You know, I, I, I've made this joke before, and I think a couple of other Oilers fans have too, but is Connor McDavid still in the running for the Conn Smythe if his team doesn't make the final? Because there have been a few players uh, in hockey history who have won the Conn Smythe on a losing team in the final. But, uh, you know, I, I, it would be something for a guy who didn't even make the, 
make it out of the conference final to end up still leading the league in playoff scoring. So that would be kind of a, a cool thing for, for Connor to accomplish if he, if he does get it. I mean, cause I, I remember I made the joke cause you know, we're talking about the Colorado avalanche making it to the finals for the first time in 21 years, the following yeah. year after that, Peter Forsberg, who got eliminated, who didn't play the entire regular season in 0102, led the league in playoff scoring with 20, I think it was like 27 points in the three rounds, still led after the finals were said and done. But since, you know, he, his team didn't make it to the Stanley Cup finals, the, you know, Patrick Waugh decided to play the second worst game of his career against the Detroit Red Wings. He didn't get a chance to be in the running for it. So I, I wonder if the NHL will make an exception, but, you know, it'd be kind of weird to have a guy in a suit come out. You know, Gary Bettman's like, this has been a great season. The consummate trophy winner is Connor McDavid. Yeah. <laughs> and just hear everyone rem- boo. And you're like, that's why not? We'll have a whole Shab- John Sebastian Jaguar thing all over again. They'll start booing, start throwing stuff at the poor kid. And, you know, we can't have that in the NHL. Make us look like a bunch of hooligans, Eric. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Now that you say that, I remember that uh, that game between the, the Avs and the Red Wings in 02. I believe that was the one where Patrick Law famously like uh, lifted his glove to show that he had the puck in his hand and it uh, game, fell out. That was man. game six. Yeah, that was right before. Was it game yeah. six? Yeah. yeah. And then game seven, I, it just snowballed from there into game seven. Yeah, it's a tough break. I was 13 at the time, and I, I remember that uh, that playoff run. But, uh, yeah, tough tough break for the Avs that year, ultimately, although I'm, I'm not their, their biggest supporter today. So. Man, it, it was – that was a, certainly a very – it was an inter- that whole series was interesting because I, I remember that very yeah. vividly because I remember most of 98. I don't remember a whole lot of 97 when I was a kid because, like I said, I was, I was born a Red Wings fan, but 02 for some reason. Right. I remember almost everything that happened in those playoffs. But – we don't need to talk about the Red Wings. That can be an off-season thing, you know, whenever they actually become a playoff contender. But, mm-hmm. you know, for the Oilers here, the discussion seems like, Eric, this is a lot to do with number 41 in goal. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's signed for one more year. And I'm going I'm to play a little devil's advocate with you, Eric. Mike Smith made some huge saves and put together some great yeah. performances in the playoffs. However, that said, it's, you know, throwing the puck up the middle against Dallas or against LA. It's throwing the puck last night off against the referee. It's the JT Comfer five hole goal. The, the Miko ran in five hole goal last night. I mean, it's the gaffes that are so huge because unfortunately yeah. Mike Smith, as we've seen over his entire career, let alone with the Edmonton Oilers, it's amazing save goalie goal, mm-hmm. all these crazy stops to drag Arizona or Phoenix to a conference finals to horrible gas, long range goals from the other end of the rink. Like it's, two parallels with Mike Smith. I mean, can the, should well, the Oilers test the goalie market this off season? Oh yeah. I mean, they don't have a lot of money to work with first of all. So Ken Holland's going to have to get a little creative with uh, how he spends his dollars. And I could see him trying to unload some contracts like Zach Cassian. Uh, there was reportedly some interest from a couple Eastern conference teams in him last summer. So maybe they go down that, uh, avenue again and see if someone would trade like a fifth or sixth round pick just to get his contract off the books you have to look at doing things like that maybe even Tyson Berry Warren Fogle because they have contracts of their own that they want to re-sign let alone trying to upgrade this roster um but for a guy like Mike Smith you look at his save percentage in the playoffs 913 pretty solid overall you know just just a little a little below what you would consider elite at 92 um, but then you look at his his goals against average at 3.38. So it's like the save percentage is good. 
but the goals against is just, you know, it's, it's too high to go, you know, all the way. And when I, when I think about Mike Smith, it, it's basically how you described it. He's capable of having stellar performances between the pipes. And then he can also have some, some really off performances. And it doesn't necessarily matter if, if he is playing lights out the whole game, if he gives up a, a squeak or a bad one later on. I mean, I think to that nine minutes of, uh, power play time that they killed off in the first period last game just to let in you know a, a week five hole goal in in the third period it's like you know you did all that work you you killed it off and then for to, to have a, a goal go in like that or the one that went in off nurse's stick in the first period it's like just such a bad break when you work so hard to kill off all that time and then a, and just a, a lucky one goes through and you just, you never know what you're going to get with Mike Smith. I've watched him for three years in Edmonton. Now he is capable of having these really strong performances, but it's just the inconsistency that kills him. And, and with that, cause you know, he signed for one more year and they do have yeah. a potential prospect in Stuart Skinner. I, I got one chance in Grand Rapids to razz him a little bit this year when he's playing for Bakersfield. That was a very interesting interaction he had. Um, hello, Zoe, Katie, Cat, jumping on in the chat. Thank you very much, so much. Uh, Sean Butcher saying that uh, to uh, goaltender should stay in their net. Uh, that's a Steve Dangle quote. Stay ten the goal. Um, yeah. I, you know, here's the problem: you have Skinner that has to clear waivers next year, and you still have me. I mean, it is it's hard because like you, you does anyone you? Oh. Yeah, like Koskinen's not coming him. back. Yeah, because you you can't have Koskinen coming back. But here's the problem. With his production, you're going to have to retain. And then with Mike Smith, same thing. If you want to trade him, you're going to have to retain because even at his cap hit, no one's going to really want to take a going-to-be-41-year-old goaltender. And, you know, it's almost like you're going to have to trade for a goaltender if you're Edmonton to at least, you know, try to get some um, relief with these guys. There's a chance they run with three goalies next year, too. I mean, I know it's not ideal, but they could still have someone in the press box in one of those black ace uh, spots. Um I, I do think that there are going to be a number of goalies out there that they can take a run at in the off season, whether it be by trade or it could be in free agency, Darcy Kemper. I know that they had interest in, they could go for him again. He also grew up in just a couple blocks away from where I lived growing up. So I knew Darcy uh, as well as, you know, Huso from St. Louis. There's, there's going to be guys out there that they'll pursue, but I think that they do want to give Skinner a decent amount of playing time too. hopefully 25 to 30 games. Uh, this is a guy they've been developing in their system for five years now, and he's ready to take a step forward. And he's waiver, he's not waiver exempt next year, I should say. So he has to be on the main roster. They can't send him back to Bakersfield. Right. Um, so looking at it from that perspective, yeah, you do want to get that upgrade and goal. I think that's such an important thing. You look at the teams that go far in the playoffs normally, they do have that consistency between the pipes. So I'm hoping that uh, the Oilers will be able to uh, find the money to address that this summer. Well, talking about gold, you're right. Sorry, I forgot. Miko Koskinen is a, ref, a free agent coming up here. I forgot to mention that for the Oilers. So, but also, yeah. there's also Mark Andre Fleury, Darcy Kemper, Alexander Georgiev, and then there's Braden Holpe, Martin Jones, Jack Campbell. Like there, there's options for goaltending next year if you want to go out in free mm-hmm. agency. So we'll certainly have to see what Kenny Holland does. But you know, I, it's hard to say. I mean, if you look at up front. The Oilers seem fine. Like, this was the first year we cannot say that the scoring depth was an issue for the Edmonton Oilers. Zach Hyman puts up 10 goals. 
I mean, and I love Jaime, not just because, you know, he's not just because he was a former Leaf, but also he went to the University of Michigan. So I yeah. got him there. He's a good Michigan boy there. Um, and, you know, Evander Kane, we still have to see what's going to happen with the contract situation and with San Jose. Is he going to get sent back? There's all these possibilities with him. But, you know, he scored 13 goals in the playoffs despite <laughs> missing the last game as well. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins played well. We saw McLeod really step up in spades. But the blue line. That is, you know, we mentioned Tyson Berry, mentioned Warren Folk. Like, there needs to be an adjustment on that blue line. And, of course, we find out today that Darnell Nurse was playing yeah. with a torn hip flexor. So, if, you know, that's your number one guy on defense, I mean, it seems like Kenny Holland's yeah. number one goal outside of a goaltender is, all right, we need to make our blue line a little bit better. Right, Eric? Yeah, and one thing that the Oilers really didn't have throughout that decade of darkness was any consistent puck movers. And, I think the Oilers do have guys who can transport the puck up ice. Now, like I really think that Brett Kulak was a nice addition for this team. Philip Broberg could be breaking into the, the roster next year. And, you know, he's a prospect that they have uh, high hopes for in, in the future as well. So when I look at a guy like Bouchard, future power play quarterback, Darnell Nurse, you know, when he's on top of his game and healthy, he can be a steady rock back there. But you do need another guy who is a fully complete defenseman, hopefully with a little bit of size who plays, you know, the majority of his time focused on the, on his own defensive end and then off uh, scoring because they do have enough offensive weapons from the back end as well. Who knows if Keith's going to be back? Like he has one year left on his, uh, his contract and there's been rumors he might retire. So we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. But yes, uh, addressing the, the blue line and getting another defenseman in would be a good situation for them. Like if they do trade Tyson Berry, maybe they get back a guy who's not as offensively inclined, but he's someone who can yeah, take care of his own end a little more. Yeah. And that, that's really important as well. I mean, cause you got to find guys like that. And you know, maybe that's the thing where you can possibly say, Hey, we have a goaltender here. What can what do you have on defense? I mean, we can go through the, the laundry list of defensemen that are going to be available this offseason. Epic jumps into the chat. How are you doing today, Epic? He says, closer to the net, the older you should be. Ken Holland. At least that's what the, the paraphrasing is. It seems like with the amount of older guys. But, you know, I mean, Cody Cece was a guy that was in there as well. You know, a guy that's, I, I thought, played better than what he had when he was in, you know, Toronto. And then he, he, he was a... A, a welcome surprise. Sorry to cut you off there, but he, you know, Oiler fans were down on that contract last summer, and I think he exceeded expectations this year. He was probably now, one granted, of the, the bar most was, consistent. The bar defensive. was pretty low. The bar was low. The bar was low. But from for what he gave, like he had a career high in points this year. You know, so I mean, like, and I thought that he he played pretty well in his own zone as as well. So. Um, you know, I, I don't think that anyone was really disappointed with, with how Cody CC performed, but yeah, they definitely do need an, another guy on the right side. It's, it's hard because, you know, once again, we go into the cap world and, and while the Edmonton Oilers are not as in bad of shape as they were when they initially signed both McDavid and dry of those contracts, but let's, let's, let's focus on dry here because Eric, this has been something I've been pondering myself because last night watching that game, I kept mm-hmm. saying to myself, every time he got bumped. Not hit, not knocked down. Every time he got bumped, yeah. it literally felt like I was watching paper mache get doused with water. Like you just figured, <laughs> when's he going to fall apart? And yeah. he kept going and he puts up four points in the game. And let's be honest, if Edmonton wins, it's the Leon, it's the Leon Dreisaitl game. That's what that would have been. Even though he didn't score a goal, he might have scored the game. winner. let's be honest, that's how overtime works. But the fact that he's able to keep going and put up 32 points 
with what might be a, you know either a high ankle sprain, a broken something or other. Like yeah. the guy is unbelievable. Oh, I mean, we've been treated to watching this guy 80 times a year for the better part of a decade. But outside of Edmonton, I don't think that there is enough appreciation for how good Dreisaitl is. The year that he won his Hart Trophy and his Art Ross Trophy, uh, there were a lot of fans around the league that seemed perplexed by that. How someone who plays on the same team as Connor McDavid could be an MVP. But I'm really glad that the Oilers made it this far and there were as many eyes on him as there was because I think that this has been the most exposure he's gained in his NHL career. And for those who thought that Austin Matthews or Nathan McKinnon or Nikita Kucherov might be in the mix for the second best player in the league, Dreisaitl is right there in that conversation. And I mean, you look at it, seven three-point games in the playoffs, second most all time. He had three four-point games. This is a guy who has been a dominant offensive force for years. It's not like it's just happening now. It's been going on for a while. But the league is finally starting to realize how good this guy is. I shouldn't say the league, but fans around the league. And here's the thing. If you are a fan of Columbus Blue Jackets or the Florida Panthers, you know, the Oilers aren't going to be the team that you're going to be watching all the time. So I can understand if Dreisaitl doesn't make it onto your radar. But now that he's been in a conference final and there has been more national attention on him, I think fans are starting to see like how good this guy is. Yeah, Epic says his commitment to D is good too. If I'm starting a team from scratch, dry side, yeah. I'm just saying my first pick for one C. I, you know, I, that, that's pretty good. Dry side being number one guy. I would think that number 97, Eric, would be your number one. Pick yeah. Right now. And, and, I, and I will say this. Eric, this season in particular, this playoffs, you know, I was always, you know, people ask you, who would you, you know, if you were able to pick, you know, your starting five of any player in the National Hockey, who would be your first pick? And up until maybe last year, I was, I always said, I'm like, listen, Connor McDavid's the best player in the world, but I want to win. So I'd always pick Sidney Crosby first. I know that maybe irks, you know, some <laughs> folks here in Michigan and of course, even some Leaf fans, but the guy knows how to win. And, you know, had they had a, had they had, either of their NHL goaltenders in net, they might have beaten the Rangers this year, let's be honest, because of a yeah. guy like Sidney Crosby, the way he was playing. Now, yes, he got knocked out in game six, but that's a story for a different day. But Connor McDavid, over the last couple of years, I literally say to myself, like, all right, this guy just knows when to take games over, no matter what, no matter what game it is, no matter if it's game 63, no matter if it's game 12, no matter if it's game seven of the Stanley Cup playoffs in any of the rounds, he finds ways to step up. And of course, we saw game five against Calgary pretty much said, you know what, guys, we're not going seven. We're not going anything more. I'm going to no. end this battle of Alberta. I'm going to make every person mad outside of this mm. province because wow. they want to see this thing go 12 games or whatever. But that's just what Connor yeah. McDavid's done. He's found, if possible, a seventh gear. You know, if we're going for a six, you know, a six yeah. gear, you know, Indy car here, he found a seventh gear. He's playing, he played this year as great as dry saddle was. It just felt like McDavid was still above that yeah and look there are a lot of ultra competitive guys to in the nhl to get to that level you have to have a incredibly high compete level but then there's that one percent that really hate to lose more than the rest and i put Connor mcdavid in that category you know watching the last dance documentary that espn did a couple of years ago you got to see 
how fiercely competitive Michael Jordan was. Now, I'm not going to say Connor McDavid and Michael Jordan are clones of each other because no, I think Connor's no, remember, a, that's Vincent LeCavier. That was the Michael Jordan of hockey. Yeah, was. I remember that, which was a weird quote too, but I never really understood what the Lightning were saying there. Anyway, uh, but looking looking at how Jordan was, like everything was winning was the most important to him, like more than scoring titles, which Connor has as well in his league, but he wanted to win the most. And I really feel that's the same for Connor. He is just hell bent on coming out with a W every night. And it, it I, he's a much better teammate, I think than Jordan was to his teammates. I'm not saying that they're like, you know, the exact same, but in, in terms of their desire to win, you, you see a lot of those similarities and it just, it cuts him like a knife every time they lose. And you think about like, he, he did miss the playoffs three out of his seven years in Edmonton and two of the other years that they made it, they went out in the first round. So for him to get a little bit of team success this year, I think is a real positive and it's just something that they have to build on from here. And yeah, and that's, that's been the discussion of course, for the last how many years. But like we mentioned earlier, yeah. the depth is starting to come around a little bit, which is certainly good. But of course, then you have to worry about guys like, you know, Zach Hyman's contract. I mean, at least Zach Hyman signed for a while, thankfully, but um, you know, there was a, there, we put on the, the question today, Eric, you saw it. What was your pick? between the uh, from our question of the day how many points mm-hmm. would those two guys have had had the series simply just gone longer not just make it to the finals you know which they still could have won obviously if they'd gone to seven and whatnot but how many points yeah. dry settle mcdavid would have had combined well i think they had 65 uh when they were when they went out if i'm not mistaken um so we're t- what, 66 they would have gone cold the rest of the series right yeah well, no, I mean, if this series is going seven games, those guys are having an impact. So I would, I, I mean, they're both averaging two points per game through the playoffs to this point. So if they just continue at that pace, we're looking at three more games times. I mean, that's another 12 points. So pretty close to 80. So, I, I mean, if you want to round up, they have one big game, like high 70s, maybe 80. That'd be pretty close. Yeah, it'd be. Yeah, high 80s, maybe low 90s. I mean, do you think if the Oilers had made it to the finals and made it a deep series, do you think McDavid could hit 50? Yeah, and I mean, like, here's another thing. In the 80s, Wayne Gretzky hit 40 points in the playoffs three times. Um, he probably would have had 50 a couple times if they weren't so dominant and were beating teams so fast. Like, if, they, if, they, if a couple teams would have pushed them uh, a little longer in series, then then we would have had more opportunity to to stretch those point totals, but uh, they just ran through some of those teams. As for this year's squad, because McDavid doesn't have the all star star studded cast around him that Gretzky had in his heyday, there's more opportunity for him to score. So because of that, he's out there in more opportunities than even, say, maybe Gretzky was back then because there were like a second line that wasn't going to be a first line on most teams around the league. So I look at what Connor would be able to do. Yeah, maybe 50 points is possible if they made it to the final. Now, they're going to run into a really good goalie regardless of what team they played. So that could have slowed them down a little bit too. Maybe just a one and a half points, a, a more. Oh no! Uh, a point a game a more, in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, it's horrible, Eric. <laughs> I know. 
for him, for him though, like, you know what? There was a stretch in the middle of the season this year when Connor got COVID and when the Oilers were in a, a slump and he had 20 points in 20 games. And the talk in Edmonton is like, what's going on with Connor? Now you look at most guys around the league, 20 points in 20 games is like, wow, this guy's playing unbelievable right Three now. What a stretch. Today. Yeah. But for him, it was almost concerning. Like, why is he only a point per game player over the last month and a half? Uh, and then obviously he turned it on down the stretch and, you know, took the scoring title again. But it's just, it's it's unfathomable the kind of things that this guy's been able to achieve in the regular season. And I'm glad to see he's doing it in the playoffs. So yeah, I think 50 points he would have had a shot at. Man, it's I love how you pretty much say, I'm like, well, you're telling me since Connor McDavid plays with worse players than Wayne Gretzky, he had a better chance of breaking Gretzky's records. Got it. No, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's a real, it's a I mean, point. And he, it's, it's, there was an all-star We mentioned team. the salary cap. It's going to be hard to ever do something like that too, of having Yari, yeah. guys like Yari Curry, Mark Messier, Paul Coffey, the whole hall of fame on one team. Oh yeah. There was, there was one time when I believe I think it was their 1988 team that five of their top six forwards had, had scored 50 goals in the NHL before. So, I mean, you just, you're not going to see that again. Like it's just, you couldn't, you couldn't keep a roster like that together. No. Cause I mean, salary cap wasn't so, a thing back then. It was not, it wasn't a thing until 0506. I mean, we're talking almost 20 years before that, but it just, that team was so dominant and they drafted and developed all their guys. I mean, the list of hall of famers on that team. So when you, when you look at how much Gretzky was able to produce, like last year uh, during the lock or the pandemic short year, Connor McDavid set an NHL record for most points on team goals. He contributed to 58% of the Oilers goals. Wayne Gretzky never contributed to that high of a percentage of the Oilers goals when he was in the, the, the prime of his career. I mean, sure, the Oilers were scoring 400 uh, goals a year, but he was only getting 200. So, I mean, you're looking at a guy who's right around 50. Connor even took that up another notch. So it shows you how valuable he is to the team. No, he's he was something else. I mean, he was... And, and that's the crazy part is Wayne Gretzky himself, whether or not trying to save his butt, saying, I'm still better than Connor McDavid, saying Kale McCarr was the best player last night. But that's statistically true for sure. But and don't worry, folks. I know you see it in the chat right now. It's okay. Don't panic. Eric is not saying that Connor McDavid is better than Wayne Gretzky. We're not there yet. We oh just... no, Wayne Gretzky is my ultimate hero. Uh, I he is the reason that I'm an Oilers fan. Obviously, my podcast is called the Ninety Nine Forever Podcast. I think it's pretty easy to figure out who I named that after. Uh, I am. Well, I'm definitely not definitely like here. you know any anyone else who wore. Did anyone else wear ninety nine? Like did anyone yes. else wear it? One guy wore it in the early 80s um, for a game or two and then switched after that. But it, it, I think it has been worn one other time. But, I mean, it's it's a number that's so synonymous with him. Like, you you hear 99 and, and you just associate who that number is. I mean, I guess you could say Bobby Orr is pretty associated with number four. Yeah. But there's been lots of number fours. There's been Except lots of number nines. Except if you're in John Bellabo. But to your point, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But there's like one ninety nine. so... Yeah, it's uh, I'm not I'm not here claiming that Connor is the greatest of all time, although I do think that his combination of skills of speed, vision, uh, awareness, you know, shooting, passing everything. I, I think that he has the best combination of all those abilities. 
and that's the crazy part too, because you know we'll end on this here. Gretzky mm-hmm. never had the hardest shot, had a good shot. I mean, everyone likes to look at that goal yeah. in the '88, you know, Game Four against Calgary, that snipe on Mike Vernon. Granted, Mike Vernon's five foot four, but whatever. Um, and you could just take clappers back in the '80s, and you have a good chance of going in. But you know, Gretzky was never the fastest. He was never he didn't have the hardest shot. Yes, I, he there was no question. I think he was one of the best, the best passer in the history of the game. But McDavid. No one's faster. No one's got better hands. Well, you know, maybe Trevor Zegers with his Zorro stuff, but, the, you know, that can be debated and whatnot. We'll have some skills competitions be yeah. to figure that out. But in every facet of the skill of Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. I can't think of any player that has matched his ability. Like, Bobby Orr was great. Bobby Orr was fast. He was dynamic, all that stuff. And, yes, he was above mm-hmm. everyone else at that time. I still don't think there's been a player in this game's, the sports history that has been physically dominant in every facet and every ability than Connor McDavid. Yeah, I mean, except for shooting, the most, obviously, there's still guys like Shea Weber and Al McGinnis and all that stuff, but everything well, else. Uh, the most advanced player is how he's been described a couple of times, especially in the, the national media up here. It's basically exactly what you said. He has this range of skills that we've never seen before and maybe 20 years from now there will be a lot more players like mcdavid because he's just the first to do all this so it'll be really interesting to see how the game grows from here but gretzky was ahead of his time when he played and he attributed so much of that to the countless hours he spent on his backyard rink honing his skills i mean six hours a day he would be out there skating and that's why by the time he got to playing in the NHL at 18. He had so much more experience than all these other guys. And for McDavid, you know, he has just grown up in an era when skill development uh, has just really taken off. And he has been, you know, he's got, he's got these God gifted abilities as it is. So for him to just be in this situation now where he's in the league at the right time to use all these abilities, it's allowed him to be the dominant player that he is. Um, it's hard to compare players players from different eras. So for to say, like, you know, who ranks where between Gretzky and McDavid, I don't think Connor's ever going to touch any of Wayne's records. But in terms of just his artistry, his the way that he's able to dictate the pace of the game with his skills, I don't think we've ever seen a player like McDavid before. It'll be interesting to see how far he keeps going because, you know, I mean, he, he might he might be the first guy to hit well, 200 points since Gretzky. So, I mean, there's a great chance of that. I mean, I don't th- – I'll be this. I don't think he's going to ever touch 200 because it's just so hard. You think about what if he was two points a game. Okay, well, that's 164. I do think that somewhere in that 150-plus range is a little more possible. But career-wise, I think he's got a shot to get to 2,000 if he plays, you know, till age 40. And Wayne's the only guy who's ever got to 2,000. Um, you know, Wayne's got 10 scoring titles. Could Connor catch him in that? I mean, Gretzky was competing with Mario Lemieux in his prime for scoring titles. Is there a player who's a real threat to take the scoring title away from him in the next five years? He could Shane rack Ryan, up a Connor Bedard. <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. But I mean, they're going to be going to pretty weak teams that they're going to, and they might not have a dry title to play with. So there's a Connor's still going to have that little edge there. Will he get, you know, a bunch more 100-point seasons? It's just, it's going to be so exciting to watch this guy over the next 10 to 15 years. 
Yeah, no, and you're right there. I mean, Shane Wright's probably going to, you know, hey, Shane Wright's going to join Zach Cassian in Arizona. They'll be great right there. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> we've been chatting up here with, with Eric Friesen from the 99 Forever podcast. Be sure to follow him, guys, at Eric J. Friesen. If you don't know how to spell it, it's literally in our little schedule thing right down to our left on the YouTube channel of the Hockey Podcast Network and 12 Ounce Sports. If not, F-R-I-E-S-E-N. There you go. That's how you spell it for you. Uh, be sure to follow the 99 Forever Podcast at 99 Forever Pod, as well as Heavy Hockey Network at Heavy Hockey Net. Eric, it's been a joy to talk to you here. Unfortunately, I know your team season's done, but boy, yeah. the off season certainly will not have any less bit fireworks, though, in Edmonton. Let's be honest here. No, I mean, what a run. I, I've been following this team for almost 25 years now, and in that time, this is only the second season where I've watched them go to the conference final. So I'm going to have lots of great memories from this season. And hopefully this is just the start of something special for this group, because I really do think they have the foundation to build a championship team, but they do need to have some of those more components and pieces around the edges to fill that out. And once again, I just want to say thanks again for the promotion of my podcast and also for uh, having me on your show today. I'd love to do it again anytime you need me. Absolutely, Eric. We'll definitely keep in touch because, like I said, Kenny Holland's going to do something stupid this year, and you're going to have to explain for it. <laughs> oh, man. I, you know what? I'm, I am a Ken Holland supporter. Not all of his moves have worked out, but since he's come to Edmonton, I think he's done a pretty good job. They haven't missed the playoffs yet. Once again, if you're looking at it from you know, the fact that your guy was Peter Shirelli before that, the bar is pretty <laughs> low. Eric will definitely talk soon. And guys, stay tuned. On the other side of the next break, we're going to have Peyton Turnage come on to talk about the Avs and then game four tonight between the Rangers and the Lightning next on World Hockey Report. Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. 
Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save $20. And welcome back, everyone, here to World Hockey Report here on this Tuesday, June the 7th. A quick programming note before I forget to mention, guys, I'll try to mention at the end of the show as well. I will be hosting Thursday again. Cody Jansen had to, and I had to switch our schedules around. Cody will be there at noon Mountain Time, 
2 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow. However, we'll have an earlier time on Thursday. It'll be a 10 a.m. local time, mountain time show, noon Eastern time. Uh, A couple of our schedules had to get flipped around, so we're going to be on for an hour on Thursday, probably just talk about the inevitable game five between the Rangers and Lightning. But i got to tell you guys something here first. So if you need a new hockey stick, as you just saw, one of the best commercials ever, all the big brands keep raising their prices, making the game more unaffordable than ever before. However, you don't have to fall for that anymore. Nay, 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 nay. Be sure to go to Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, a true Canadian company with real morals, offering players of all levels top-of-the-line stick at a fraction of the cost. Lighter, more balanced, and has more customizable options than anything off the rack. Be sure to check out the family-run business today at ProRock.com. And now with that, we need to talk about game four tonight between the Rangers and Lightning. But first, we'll get his thoughts on the Colorado Avalanche. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show for a second time. First time you get to see his lovely face all the way from the boot heel of Missouri in the United States. He's a Preds fan and also a free agent broadcaster. Can't emphasize that enough. Free agent play-by-play broadcaster. He is none other than Peyton Turnage. Peyton, how are we doing today? Was that? Oh, sorry. Sorry. I was filling out my Stanley Couple. Your, your Stanley Cup what? You ever played that, Tyler? Played what? Stanley Couple. Oh, Stanley Couple? I've oh, come on. You've had to see the ads. Come what, on. What is – I have no idea what, what that is. So the NHL tried to make Wordle, but they made it with hockey player names. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was hoping you get the joke there. Now it's fallen flat, and now the show is ruined. Yep, so. the, sh- the show is certainly – You'll see it tonight. You'll know what I'm talking about as soon as you see it. I, I guess so. I guess I have to wait for it. But be sure to jump in the chat, guys, here in World Hockey RPT. Ty Q along with Peyton Turnage here, Andrew Boschens. Andrew is confused too, Peyton. See, you're the only person in the world. Now you've confused our guests. Now they're going to stop watching. You're, you're all going to notice it, and you'll never be able to unsee it again after tonight. Don't worry, guys. Be sure to just hang in there. We have, if you can somehow get through this interview with Peyton Turnage, we have Greg Wyshynski coming up at 145 local time. And there is relief in sight. To me, at 2.45 local time, 4.45 Eastern time. But anyways, no, Peyton, first of all, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good, Tyler. It's good to have a nice Tuesday off, I must say. Got my blue I, I, shirt I, on for the blue shirts. I was about to say the blue shirts are, they're everywhere. Because technically the Colorado Avalanche with the blue helmets and stuff like that, they're technically a blue team. Now the, the Oilers with their blue did not work out so well. But the Colorado Avalanche, Peyton, I, I'm not shocked they're in the finals because I picked them to win in five, but I'm just shocked that this series, the way it was shaping up and how close these games were against Edmonton, that it only went four games. Very, it felt a lot like the Calgary series. Although, I mean, that game, that series only went five games, but you know, it was just so much excitement all throughout and then boom, it was over. And Edmonton is a team that I think deserves better, but man, that Colorado Avalanche team, I don't know how they're not going to win the Cup this year. I mean, just everyone is banging on all cylinders, and Jared Bednar has got all his guys playing. Right. It's And we look at Kale McCarr. I mean, Wayne Gretzky said it on TNT last night. Kale McCarr was the best player. Number eight was the best player on the ice. He is just the third guy in the history of the Colorado Avalanche or Quebec Nordique to ever hit five points in a game. That includes, i make sure I got my names right, where are they, McCarr? Yeah, uh, Peter Forsberg in 98, ironically the last time the Oilers and Avalanche played each other in the playoffs, and then Risto Slitinen with the Nordiques back in the division, the opening round of the 87 playoffs where he had five assists. I don't know what more can be said about Kale McCarr. 
because for me, I went into this series, you know, knowing Kale McCarr is this great offensive weapon and a great skater. I said to myself though, but like, but can he cover and can he defend against Connor McDavid and Peyton? He did. Was it game one? I believe game one was when Connor McDavid had that big rush coming in and McCarr was kind of chopping forward. And then all of a sudden he got his back skating going, put his stick out and took it right off McDavid and, yeah, he's, he's about the only guy that can match McDavid wheel for wheel out there on the defensive side. And, I mean, it's it's incredible because we, we knew how fast he was, but we never saw him go one-on-one with Connor McDavid, even during the regular season. Because, once again, they're in the Central versus the Pacific. They only play each other three times. And, you know, it's just it's amazing to see how this kid, I have to emphasize, still a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, he's been, you know, this is his fourth straight playoffs, but, you know, he's still a young man, and, He's only reestablishing himself and showing to everyone that, hey, I'm going to be the big, the the best defenseman in this league for years to come. I mean, he burst right onto the scene. He scored in his very first playoff game in 2019 against the Flames. I think it might have been his first shift, and he has not slowed down since then. He can do just about everything, and you hear the the reference that Wayne Gretzky made last night in the postgame show, and I mean, it's... It's a little bit of hyperbole, but at the same time, there's a lot to it when he compared Kale McCarr to Bobby Orr. At, you know, I, I, we, I don't think we've ever seen a defenseman quite like him. I mean, we've come close with guys like Roman Yossi and you, know, you can name off whoever else. But I think Kale McCarr has really uh, come into his own in his own way and set the precedent for this coming generation. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's a it's going to be a different game. We always knew that you know the game is the game always evolves, but man, he's he's been something. Epic jumps into the chat here saying, "Go Tampa!" Did not see that happening from game to game. That being Kale McCarr, um, Epic does say he likes make us advantage at a lot. We will talk about the Rangers and the Lightning here in just a moment. Here, guys, we got to keep going with this Colorado Avalanche team. Nathan McKinnon scores his eleventh goal of the playoffs last night. Landeskog shows up. I mean, both sides, the big guns stepped up. And even Miko Rantanen, who a lot of mm-hmm. people have been saying has gone pretty cold, he gets a big goal, which at one point looked like the game winner. But how in the world are Terry Lackanen still scoring game-winning goals and conference semifinal clinching goals? And for the second year in a row, he's going to the Stanley Cup final. He's kind of, uh, I don't know if you call it Pat Maroon, Marion Hosa type guy, doing it with uh, different teams. But Our Terry Lackanen's a little more talented than Pat Maroon, no offense. but <laughs> A little bit more, yes. He's just a guy that works hard and always ends up in the right places. He's he's the perfect um, supplement that the Avalanche needed. And you think about all the guys they picked up at the trade deadline. You know, he and Andrew Cogliano come to mind. We always thought about that on that second line. There was Andre Burkowski, and they kind of you know shuffled some guys in and out. But Arturi Lekinen has really shown as that guy that and fill up on that left wing. And again, he does he's a really skilled guy. I feel like he doesn't do a whole lot. He just does a lot of the right things. He's just always at the front of the net uh, creating mayhem, and it worked out perfectly for him last night. You know, you just find your place. And I you got to feel for the guys like Burakovsky and McKinnon and Landeskog and Comfort because let's be honest, during the weird years of Patrick Waugh and, you know, the kind of transition periods, this mm-hmm. was a tough little, you know, tough stretch for the franchise, let alone, you know, these young players. But if the Avs were... They were bad. You know, everyone thought Joe Sackick was the worst GM in the league at one point. And now here he is, his team, like his predecessor and, you know, his his one of his mentors, Pierre Lacroix, did many years ago, is back in the Stanley Cup finals. 
he proved us all wrong, didn't he? I mean, we were all laughing five, at him. Yeah, after. five years ago, we were asking, like, really, is hot are hockey guys good? You know, are former players good to be GMs? And Joe Sackick has, at least in this case, debunked that myth. And they did have to go through some pain, though. I mean, there were a lot of rough years, and there's a lot of high draft picks that have come uh, to the fore. So we can't ignore that. But you just look at what he's done, and maybe he learned how to build teams the hard way through those tough stretches. But he's figured it out. And as much as I don't want, and I know we're going to get to this, but as much as I don't want Tampa Bay to win, like I think that's your perfect Stanley Cup final because you've got uh, Sackick versus Breezebois, two, I mean, just about as perfectly built teams as you can get. And, I mean, Joe, Joe's just made a fool of out of us. There's nothing more you can say about that. I mean, it's it's hard to say. I mean, because, you know, Darcy Kemper was a big, a pretty big pickup. It really shored up their goaltender after Philip. I mean, they kind of knew Philip Grubauer was going to go to Seattle the way things were shaping up. But what do you think of their goaltending right now for Colorado? Because right now, you have Pavel Francos, knock on wood, undefeated, gave up five goals last night, albeit, and had a couple of rough games here. But Darcy Kemper is back to 100% health. And Epic says here, Sackick is a guy I'd never bet against the type to stick to his own plans. That's definitely true, as we were just mentioning here with Peyton Turnage here on World Hockey Report. The goaltending, though, how long do you stick with Frankie now that you know that Kemper's 100%? Francis has always been a really good goalie, I feel like, but he's a guy that can get rattled. And I thought we were going to see that last night when you saw those quick strikes from McDavid and Hyman. Really thought they were going to get to him. And, and yes, he did allow the five, but his team was able to pick it up in front of him. I think you stick with him until there is a loss that is so egregious or a, a stretch during the game that you you realize you have to get him out. Kemper's a great goalie, but I feel like he and Francois are on the same level. You could play either one any night. And with the type of injury that Kemper sustained, you know, a head injury, an eye injury. It's just so risky putting a guy back in at this stage. Yeah, it's and that's why, you know, people were, when people were calling for Miko Koskinen after game one of this conference finals, we're all like, no, that, no, you, you got to go with the guy that got you there. Even though, like I said, Kemper, you know, was a big part of the team during that second round. And and obviously, yeah, I got nicked up in round one as well, where you know, Francois had to come in and help out as well. But you no, know, it's it's certainly a good thing because especially in today's NHL, you know, I, you know, I've talked about this a lot. You need two goaltenders that can play at any given moment. You know, we always talked about how Yarrow Halak and Tuka Rask were the best at one point, one of the best duos. And you know, for a brief moment, it looked like the Bruins had a chance to have another great tandem. Didn't quite work out against Carolina though. But the fact that Colorado can go into this Stanley Cup final, whoever they play against, even though. Theoretically, on paper, whoever comes out of the East, you could say, has the advantage. But the fact you have two goaltenders that can go, that's certainly something that I don't think the other two teams, the Lightning and the Rangers are talking about, have compared to the Avalanche. Well, I mean, you you do look at a guy on the Rangers. Uh, Georgiev, I think, is a guy that can step up. Now, no, he's not to the level of Shisirka, but he has been a, a, a starter for a, a good portion True. of his career. But. And then with Tampa, who you got? Brian Elliott? Yeah, good yeah. old St. Louis uh, Blues legend, Brian Elliott. So I do I do see your point there. The Avalanche depth and goal. Again, if, if you have the confidence in what is essentially a 1A, 1B situation and either guy can fill each role, you're not worried. Um, and apparently, from what I was hearing on 32 Thoughts, you know, God forbid it happens, but if they had to play on Noonan, apparently he can step in and play too at the high level. Right. And it's, it's so hard to to judge that because obviously we've seen 
we don't know exactly what happens in these games with players going in and out left and right players missing one game. Some getting suspended guys playing through what might be a high ankle sprain to Leon dry uh, Epic said, let Kemp has come to back be right. Was, was that Peyton? I said, it has to be right. It has to be. You're right. Um, Epic says, let Kempner come back in the savior had hand surgery out the rest of the playoffs more than likely. Oh, uh, Andrew's talking about any more news from Kadri and, uh, he did not have hand surgery. Epic he had thumb surgery and the, the, the avalanche have not ruled Kadri out. We talked about this off the top of the show is not ruling him out of the playoffs, but is not ruling him in for what would be game one, which would at the earliest would be June 15th. So at this point next Wednesday, but at the latest, given that the Eastern Conference final somehow goes seven games, would be the 18th. And Peyton, I don't know if you ever like busted a thumb before or even bruised it or, you know, had your get caught in the door and you slammed it shut. Having your thumb not be 100% kind of affects how you, you know, live as a human being, let alone be a hockey player in the NHL. It affects everything you do. I've never quite injured my thumb, but I mean, we've all had a few little beats and bangs here there even if you just jam one finger that's not your thumb it can be pretty debilitating so and i wonder do you know which hand it was that was affected i have not heard let me go back to it if i can find that article again because i remember i saw it earlier today and i said to myself huh this is not good but you know it's it's one of those things they mentioned on 32 thoughts as well and i can't remember if they mentioned which hand it was either but let's see. Here we go. Kind like I wonder as a hockey player, and of course you were a goalie. I never played the game. I only played basketball and baseball in high school. But I wonder what's worse to have affected, your top hand or your lower hand? Like, can you live with having your lower hand a little banged up as opposed to your top hand, which does more of the stick handling? Well, if we want to go into the what could it have been, you know, it looks like... I'm Why should you buy... Ref- I don't want that commercial. Dang it. I was trying to play, trying to play the video back so I could see you know, what happened. It looks like it might've been his left hand, but no matter what, I, I mentioned how, if you shoot on the backhand, you use both your thumbs more than you would shoot on your forehand, but you know, it doesn't really matter. If, even if you're using your forehand, you need both your thumbs to grip the stick. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to try the old bench warmers method and duct tape, you know, Kadri's hands to his stick, but my goodness, I'm pretty sure Nazim Kadri at this point of his career, the year that he's had and all the crap that he's had to deal with, not just this year, but years and years of, throughout his career, he will do whatever it takes to play in game one or play in the Stanley Cup finals in some sort or another. And he was a guy that was looked upon to be the guy in Toronto and he wasn't really he was given the a fair guy. shake. I don't tell me different. Austin, who? Well, was it? I mean, really, he was supposed to be their number one center and then Tyler Bozak came in and for some reason the press seemed to like him more. Don't get me started and, with the whole Brian Burke deal. I can go into that for hours. But... uh well, I mean, he, he put his neck out there um, arguing with Brian Murray on the draft floor about who he was going to take. But, uh, yeah, Kadri has gone through a lot. And we, we I talked about last time I was on your show, you know, the brief phone call. We wonder what Nazem Kadri in the playoffs was going to be. We had never seen it before, quite frankly. 2018, 19, and 20, he got uh, suspended. And then the Avalanche so 20, run last year 20, was short 21 last year. Somehow 2020 was the year he didn't do anything bad. I thought it was 2020. I thought it was in the in the bubble in the. No, when he um, brained Justin Falk, that was last year. Was it last year? Yeah. Okay, because there were fans. I remember that. Bubble. Okay, okay. I could have swore it was in the bubble, but okay. Um, yeah. Then the the point being, we've never really seen him in the postseason until now, and and he was dynamite throughout the regular season. And the Avalanche have always needed that that 
great second line center and here he's been but i tell you though i give the team credit they have really stepped up in his absence and um it's just next guy next guy like you see nathan mckinnon i, I didn't want to tweet this because i was afraid i was going to get in trouble i'll go ahead and say this on your show though oh but, yeah uh, I, I was going to tweet this I mean, yeah, i'm going to say it though instead so people can see my face nathan mckinnon looks like if cocaine was a hockey player <laughs> what <laughs> just yeah you know just going 100%. And now somehow, I guess just the energy or, or whatever you want to say has rubbed off everyone. I think Jerry Bednar has a lot with how this team's playing too. It looks like everybody is playing that way. Everyone on the avalanche is just full bore, 180% every shift. And how can you beat a team like that, even if you're Edmonton, even if you have the best two players on planet Earth? And that's what makes it so hard because I'm. I, that's why I still look at you know, you go back to game five of that St. Louis series, that end-to-end goal with Nathan McKinnon scored, the one that we all thought was going to be the series ender. Mm-hmm. All of us were like, this is it. You know, this is his moment of saying, we are ending this thing now. Like, yep. there was nothing that was going to stop him. And then St. Louis, you know, ruined it, tied it up and whatever. And Mark Moser cried on air, whatever it was, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but long story short was this, is that you saw that and you see a guy that last year said he hasn't won a bleeping thing in his time in the NHL. Mm-hmm. He wants to win now. Uh, Andrew Beauchamp said, hang out to hang out with family. Bye, Tyler. Andrew, thank you very much for stopping in. Epic says teams like this, the only thing that not to stop them seems to be a hot goalie. But the only thing that's going to stop Nathan McKinnon, according to cocaine-induced Peyton Turnage here, is a brick wall that is backed by the Berlin Wall. I mean, my goodness. He, this guy is willing to run through all of it to have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. He, he's not going to be denied. And... You know, you think about how he has performed in big time moments, in in championship risking moments. That's what got him the number one overall pick was how he played in the Memorial Cup in 2013. It was Seth Jones, Seth Jones. And then lo and behold, Nathan McKinnon just blows by Seth Jones in the Memorial Cup and and earns the first overall pick. And turns out that's aged pretty well uh, as we've gone on here. Um, so I want to sing his praises, but there's one more guy that I want to hit on before we, we move on here. And that is Devon Taves. Holy moly. My goodness. I, he's, he was just kind of the, the guy just kind of down in the Bridgeport Islander system. I was like, Oh, look, there's another Taves. Turns out he's no relation to Jonathan. And it's, it was, not, it's not Devon Taves. It's Devon Taves. Devon. Yeah. And he was, he became a really good, great skating offensive defenseman, kind of Nick Letty 2.0, but even better. And yeah. look how well-rounded his game has become on that top defense pair with Kel McCarr. I mean, that's a – you got to worry about Kel McCarr, but you got to worry about Devon Taves too. He scored a, a ton of goals, and he was a menace in that series against Nashville. And uh, he's just stepped up his game, and who knows? I mean, this guy's uh, – he's really built a future for himself, and it's really blown up this season for him. There's only two guys that have – that played more minutes than Connor McDavid last night. That was Kale McCarr and Devontae. So, yeah, certainly two guys that are going to be important for the Azners. They're going to certainly rest up. Uh, yep, under great underrated pickup from. Why Epic. did the Islanders? Why did the Islanders trade him? Why, it wasn't you know just what? like a second round pick. If you, want, if you want, we can call up Alan Crater back, and we can go down the laundry list of why is Lou Lamorello doing this thing? Because unfortunately, mm-hmm. since he's been there. It's been a lot of those discussions, unfortunately, including the latest firing of Barry Trotz, which will be more of an off-season discussion. But we got to get to tonight's game, though. The other New York team involved 
Still, the New York Rangers up 2-1, Tampa Bay Lightning trying to even the series at Emily Arena tonight, Peyton. I'll be honest with you. When New York went up by two in game three, when they went up by two, it's Sunday afternoon. It's beautiful weather here. It actually stopped raining just in time, and it's a nice sunshiny day. I'm starting grilling out, and I see Mika Sabanajed and Chris Kreider scoring. I said to myself, you know what, kids? Maybe it's over. And then the Tampa Bay Lightning Peyton did that Tampa Bay Lightning thing and said, no, no, not yet. And, oh, by the way, Nikita Kucherov is a consummate trophy winner for a reason, Peyton. I think I didn't get to watch this game because I was at the NASCAR race in St. Louis. But I remember looking down at my phone, looking at updates, saying, oh, look, it's 2 nothing Rangers. And then, oh, you know, it's 2-1. And then there was one point I was like, oh, that, well, they've got this. And I put my phone away, came back, and they had lost on a goal with 45 seconds left. Andre Pollard. The, the Rangers, you know me, I picked the Rangers to win the cup. Don't ask me why, but I did. And I've been just full bore on Twitter about it. Hashtag Viva La Rangers. No quit in NY, but I'm a little surprised they've gotten here uh, to a two nothing series lead before game three. Yes, Gerard Gallant's got his players going, and the young players, Kako, Lafreniere, are looking like seasoned veterans. And that was one thing I worried about the Rangers going into the playoffs is they've got that top end, you know, they got Sabinajad and Panarin, but what about their secondary players? And they, they've stepped up. Ryan Lindgren, too, is, is kind of the the tougher Devon tapes for them. Yeah. Filipino. Yeah. But to a degree, it, just, it feels like to a certain extent, they've lucked their way here in the series with Tampa because Tampa is Tampa and they will always be Tampa until that team explodes. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm a little nervous going into game four. I feel like the seat, the, that goal with 45 seconds left may have been the turning point of the series. Because there, there's always those goals that you just say, like, that was it right there. And Andre Palat, by the way, passing, Former teammate Tyler Johnson for most game-winning playoff goals by the Lightning. Now mm. Palat has 10, which would just kind of show you how, you know, top-turvy the franchise has been when Tyler Johnson was the most clutch player at one point for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Andre Palat now has gladly taken that under his own wing. But I, I still look, did you you saw, did you look back at the goal, though, The that goal, the, the, the winner? It was a short side shot, wasn't it? Yeah, well, the, my, my point is a great shot by Palat, but it's the play by Kucherov like mm-hmm. Nikita Kucherov like I said we mentioned how good he is he ends up having goal and a two assists in the game but that pass even I went oh like what is Shesterkin supposed to do when you have an elite all-world player just casually you know just kind of skating around I'm like I'm gonna stand right here and oh by the way she like Magic Johnson behind the back pass of Andre Palat and buries it I'm just like what what were the Rangers supposed to do mm-hmm I was listening to the Steve Dangle podcast on the way here, and Steve Dangle just screamed about Tampa being an all-star team, and they are. They play like they are. They pass like they are. Um, they can move it through the seam like nobody's business, and that's what led to the plot goal. You, I think about that, and I was on the way uh, back a little while ago, and I was thinking about Andre Palat, and I realized that I'm pretty sure he could have been claimed by Seattle, but instead they went with Yanni Gord. But Oh, no. What a horrible way. <laughs> Well, uh, I don't know. That hasn't aged very well. But Andre Pilat, he's he's that guy for Tampa. And just because he's not a you know an EA Sports 92 overall player like Kucherov or Stamkos, he's still a very, very good player. And um it, it shows it shows there. It's it's very similar to, to the Ranson and goal, too. Uh, both very similar guys, similar talents, and, and showing up at the right time. 
Yeah, and by the way, Epic jumped in the chat saying they earned those wins, Peyton, so he believes that you are wrong. They have not lucked their way in. They've only had to play a third-string goaltender and anti-Ranta. Um, no, but uh, I'll say this. The well, I mean, in the series, the- in the series. I want to make sure I make that point clear. They kind of lucked their way here in the series. Uh, yes, they yeah. have burned I, through. Well, let's be yeah. honest, though. This was the best. Game three was the Lightning's best of the series so far, 100%. Vasilevsky looked a lot better, even though... On the other side, the lightning—you could tell the lightning were desperate because I'm sorry when you outshoot a team. What was it, fifty to fifty-two to thirty? I mean, my goodness, the lightning knew they had to win Game Three because even as good and as experienced they are, nobody hardly ever comes back from a three-zero deficit. Andrew is back in the chat. Hi, Andrew. How you doing? Uh, New York Rangers. Epic says have had an amazing way of slowing games down and making the other team skate their blankety blanks off at the same time. Well, I'll tell you, it pretty much worked to perfection for the Lightning in Game 3, but then again, it's really hard to say that, you know, the Rangers were out of it because, once again, we mentioned him, Igor Sesterkin, only 49 saves ho-hum, but, you know, like, that's why I think the Rangers were in trouble against Pittsburgh. That's why I thought they were in trouble, you know, in the last series. I said to myself, I'm like, they can't keep doing it, you know, against Carolina. They can't keep letting him get 40, 45 shots on goal every mm-hmm. single time. Yet... They are two wins away from a Stanley Cup Finals appearance, Peyton. Well, it, it comes down to what Rod Brindamore was talking about with the Hurricanes. Yeah, we got a great team, but we're lacking that elite level goal score. Well, guess who they're playing against now? What, what do you? I mean, I'm sorry. Would you have been happy if, if you faced Louis Domingue? I think Carolina wins that series. But here's the problem: they went up against the vet. Well, I'm sorry, kids. I'm sorry, Vasilevsky fans. I'm sorry, Calgary fans. The Vesna Trophy winner, Igor Shosturkin. You're, that's what's going to happen when you face a hot goaltender. But my point is that Tampa does have those elite scores, like right. no doubt. Compared to Carolina, they have them. Stamkos, Kucherov, if only they had Braden Point, Andre Palat. So this is how the Rangers, you know, it's it's like they've gone just a tier up each team. Now, yes, they started with Malkin and Crosby, but but you see what I mean. The yeah. the, the degree of, of difficulty has risen each and every time. And so far, they've stood the test. But tonight is really going to show where they stand, I think, in the series and how the series might go from to the end. Because, I mean, I, I think the Rangers know that if they can compete hard and if they don't get like blown out of the water tonight, they can go back to Madison Square Garden and say, you know what? We had them. We were right there. We had a chance to win one in Tampa, but we're back home now. Let's win. Because they've had, was it now, seven straight wins at Madison Square Garden. I'm pretty sure they'd be okay with going back home, tied at two with the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. But that said, you mentioned the Palat goal being a turning point. Can this series go the distance or do the lightning do a lightning thing and just say, excuse me, we're just going to take this one over from here. Who'd you say who the lightning? Yeah. I mean, the lightning are the lightning. Like I, like I said earlier, they're so they are capable. Who they thought they were they're yes. the lightning. And do you realize Danny how we ever... come and do the post game presser at the end of game seven between the Rangers? We, know, we had him. We let him off the hook. And notice how we haven't really broken down the Lightning very much because we know what they are, and that's what Who's, they've oh, been sorry, the past Stamkos few years. Stamkos has a great shot. He's a captain. He's playing amazing. Oh, Vasilevsky, big cat. He's really good. Andrew says no three-peat. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Victor Hedman's a, you know, a Vesna or Vesna. I probably could be a Vesna, let's be honest. Norris Trophy candidate. The depth is there. I mean, my goodness, you know, Ross Colton is a big-time player, and, you know, we mentioned Palat. And, you know, the, and the de- Patty Maroon and Corey Perry are, you know, old, you know, old men on this team, but they're still producing. I mean, 
it, it's the story. It's been said twice before. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'm saying. Tampa is Tampa. They are that big foe. They are the final boss. And I don't know. Man. Like, it's going to be hard for New York, even, even with a two, one series lead. I think Tampa is about to put a string of hold on things because we look at back at game one, Tampa was rusty after all that rest. What was it? Nine days of rest, something like nine that days, after yeah. sweeping Florida. Yeah. So now they're back and they've got one more game at home before they go back on the road. And you know, this is really going to be the test. This is really what it's going to show. And Tampa's Tampa. <laughs> Tampa's Tampa. Kucherov. Oh, you know, Epic. We, if we want to go into Nikita Kucherov, we can just watch that. We can watch game three back and say, Nikita Kucherov, that guy. Cause that's what he is. He's a consummate trophy winner for a reason. Like we mentioned, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little off script here. Last thing before I let you go here, Peyton, before we have Greg Wyshynski here in just a few minutes here on World Hockey Report, I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of turn a Stephen A. Smith quote here. Stephen A. Smith, before the NBA Finals, said that whoever comes out of the West is going to win the NBA championship. Now, that series is tied 1-1 going back to Boston between Golden State and the Boston Celtics. But that's because he's just that much confident in the, in the Golden State Warriors, how dominant they were. I'm going to do something. I'm going to ask you this question here. Is whoever comes out of the Eastern Conference going to win the Stanley Cup, Peyton? Because Colorado could wait either between eight and let me make sure I got my either eight and 11 days between game four against Edmonton and game one of the cup finals, which means that whoever comes out of this series, New York or Tampa will be playing in rhythm. And we know how in hockey, how important that is playing every other night or playing every second night or whatever. Do you think whoever wins this series, no matter how long it goes, is going to be the favorite going into the finals? How long did Colorado rest between uh, sweeping the Preds and playing St. Louis? Do you know? It had to be a little while. And there's that fine line of, yes, Colorado well, had a lot of rest. Games, remember, that was the first second right. round series out of the West. Right. Yeah. So there's a fine line because you've got – to your point, you want to stay in a rhythm, you want to stay on a roll, but then there's fatigue too. But man, I mean, I don't think it's going to matter with Colorado. I, I think just the talent they have, the players they have, McKinnon, McCarr, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Jared Bednar coaching, and even, like I said, Pablo Franzos or Darcy Kemper, they're guilting. I really don't think that's going to matter as much in this one. And, and that's why I want to see. Yes, I love the Rangers. Yes, I'd love for them to win. I'd love for my prediction to come true. But I want to see an avalanche lightning final because those are those two powerhouse teams meeting each other. And it's either a three-peat for Tampa or Colorado finally gets their due after 20 years. Well, I did pick – I was wrong on one. I picked the Avs in five games. I was wrong there. And I picked Tampa in six, which is still possible. So we'll have to wait and see how it ends up. Game four, though, tonight, guys, 8 o'clock puck drop, Eastern time, 6 o'clock Mountain time, of course. The Lightning and the Rangers at Amelie Arena. That'll be an exciting game. Of course, we'll talk about game five on Thursday as well when we do a little bit of an earlier show. But right now, we've been talking with Peyton Turnage, play-by-play voice of right now nobody. But guess what? You should sign him. At Peyton underscore Turnage. That's where you can find him on Twitter. If I'm not, I'm not going to give out your email, Peyton, because there's probably some people here that'll probably spam you. No offense to the great people. Epic, Andrew, LA824 jumping in there. Uh, we, Peyton's got a very, he's got a life and he doesn't need to be responding to a bunch of emails saying, I know a team for you. 
But if you haven't, if you know a team, you know, a junior team, college team, hire this guy for goodness sakes. I spent a week with him and I'm gonna have to spend a whole nother weekend with him. So please hire him so he doesn't have to bother me anymore. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Also, don't forget to um, ask Wyshynski about the Stanley couple. The Stan- I'm not asking them that. You can yes, you, you can jump in the chat as much as you want and I will maybe mention it. And by maybe, I mean not a chance. We're going to talk too much wrestling. That's what we're going to do anyways. Oh, why did you have me on before Greg? Anyway, thanks hey, for I having had me. I want after uh, Ken Cal and Jack Michaels of the Edmonton Oilers. So at least you were before, not after, right? Well, everybody enjoy the rest of the show. It only goes up from here. It oh, no, I'll, I'll find a way. You know, I always find a way. Peyton, buddy, thank you very much, man. We'll definitely keep chatting. And uh, I mean, we'll probably have to have you on when we get to the finals. So be sure to stop working on Tuesdays. That'd be great. <laughs> that, that would be great, wouldn't it? I'll, I'll check my st- uh, schedule. Indeed. Perfect. All right, guys, we'll be back. Like I said, with ESPN's Greg Wyshynski right after this on World Hockey Report. Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want- And welcome back everyone here to World Hockey Report. On this Tuesday, June the 7th, we just talked with Peyton Turnage. Thank you very much, Peyton, for jumping on the show, as well as earlier on Eric Friesen. And now I am joined by the senior NHL writer for ESPN. Yes, that is right. We have the worldwide leader of sports here on World Hockey Report and the <laughs> probably the world's best wrestling fan slash hockey writer in the world as well ladies and gentlemen welcome to the show 
the man behind the legend that is Merrick versus Wyshynski, Greg Wyshynski. How you doing today, Greg? I'm doing good. Although, you know, now that, now that you mentioned Merrick, I might be like the second best wrestling uh, hockey media guy, now that you mention it. That man, that man is... Is uh, live the gimmick, as they say. So, uh, <laughs> so I'll, say, I'll, ta- I'll take the silver medal on that one. I will say this, Greg. What what which Merrick has over you and I is that he somehow knows like every guy that's ever wrestled in like Smoky Mountain. Like that's what he has. He's like if because obviously we know Jeff Merrick is you know a junior hockey encyclopedia. Jeff Merrick is also a territory wrestling encyclopedia. We should say. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And he- and he's also got an in with all the Canadian guys, like he's buddies with Lance Storm. I think he he introduced me once to Trish Stratus while we were up there. So like he's you know he's he's like he's iconic. He's an iconic figure in both uh, uh, wrestling and in hockey. Man, well of course remember he did. Of course he covered it back in his earlier days as well. So he knows he knows a few of them folks here. I do got to ask you though, there's something that came up on Twitter today, and you and I had a little back and forth, and then you know it kind of spiraled into a lot of other people getting involved as well. Jackie Redmond and Nick Alberga asked which NHL player would be good in wrestling. I asked, and you had a pretty good answer, which wrestler would be good in the NHL. You said John Moxley. And oh, yeah. Formerly known as Dean Ambrose in the WWE. Why, why Mox? Why Mox a good hockey player? So uh, toughness, uh, stamina, which I think is a key for anybody who's going to be good in hockey. Um, I think he's got sort of that... Uh, that, that ability to, to take a hit and keep on ticking, which is also a pretty good virtue to have in hockey. Uh, I just, it was the first name to pop to my mind. I think about like the old uh, hockey dudes that are in their like late thirties and look like they're being kept together with, uh, you know, scotch tape and prayers. I think of a guy built like Moxley. So that's why it made a lot of sense to me. That, that does make sense. Even though let's be honest, talk about toughness and whatnot. And Cody Rhodes just wrestled, hell in a cell with a torn pectoral muscle, which looked gruesome as it was. But then again, you know, actually that's a great way to turn it into the actual current playoffs. What is a gutsier performance? Cody Rhodes beating Seth Rollins at hell in a cell or Leon Dreisaitl possibly playing with a high ankle sprain for the pretty much the entire Stanley Cup playoffs. It's the latter. It was insane. I I, I saw the score sheet after last night's game as I was kind of following along and, and, and didn't realize that he actually tallied up four assists last night. That's insane. Like he had gone... The previous two games without a point, he had only three shot attempts in, in game three. Like he, he looked like he was somebody who whose foot was going to fall off at some point. And he was just going to kind of like just like teeter to the to the ice, uh, immobile. Um, but uh, but he kept it together and he had a real strong game. And I mean, I, I'm sure it was the adrenaline of, of of facing the end of your season that carries you at that point, along with, you know, whatever they're shooting you up with in the back, probably <laughs> to numb the pain. Uh, but, uh, zone to probably take care of like half of an elementary school. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like, you know, even, even still though, I mean, to be able to put on that performance, I thought was, was super impressive. And, and, you know, as we all expected them going home was not going to be the fault of either Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing in some ways they were able to drag them as far as they did. Uh, but in the end, I mean, you know, it just it just wasn't there. They were just going up against uh, the deepest, best team in the league. And, uh, you know, with Dreisaitl limited a little bit and their goaltending not being all that consistent, it wasn't going to be a recipe for success. Yeah, it's it might not have sustained, but boy, I, that would have been a much, I mean, similar to the Battle of Alberta. Wouldn't that have been great if it, this series between Colorado and Edmonton have gone like six or seven? <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I don't think anybody wants to see a sweep in the conference final. That's, that's when the series should be. 
battles of attrition and, and having two teams that are absolutely exhausted, you know, battling each other through, uh, you know, seven games to a, a, an ultimate elimination game. So, you know, I, I think we definitely got shortchanged on the West and, uh, and we'll see tonight, I guess, if, uh, if we're going to keep pressing on in the East. Yeah, let's talk about that. You're down at Amelie Arena right now. You're going to be getting ready for a big game for tonight. We talked a little bit about Peyton Turnage here, but you know, what is this series like? You know, first Tampa loses back-to-back games in the playoffs for the first time since you know 2019, since getting swept by Columbus, and they come back with their best performance. Even though Igor Shosturkin still almost stole Game Three, Andre Palat was able to finish off that nice feed from Nikita Kucherov. You know, what is this series looking like from your eyes here? Because while it seems like Tampa is starting to ramp it up now, maybe the rust has kind of fully gone off the bolts, but, or can the Rangers do something tonight and have a chance to clinch at home on Thursday? They, they certainly could. I mean, they, they were what, 48 seconds away or, or whatever it was uh, from going to overtime and, and making it a one shot game in game three. And, uh, you know, my concern for the Rangers right now is twofold. One is that, uh, as good as they've been at home, and they've won every game save for game one against Pittsburgh, where they lost in triple overtime, they've not been the same team on the road. And, you know, they've, they've, they don't look the same. They don't carry play the same. Uh, and I think the Lightning's adjustments, in particular, moving Anthony Shirelli from the top line down to a line with Kalorn and, and, and Hagel to go up against the Zibanejad ad line has made all the difference in the series, at least in game three. Um, so I, I, that's one point of concern. Uh, and the other point of concern is that the goaltending in both cases is, is, is kind of like holding back the flood. If you look at the expected goals in this series, uh, I think one game it was over seven. I think one game it was nearly eight. So between between the teams, it, we're, we're looking at a series that should probably have a lot more goals than are currently being scored. And that, and that speaks directly to the performances that we're seeing from Vasilevsky and Chichirkin. And one of them is probably due for a bum game. <laughs> and I have a feeling it's, it might be Igor versus, and, not, and not Andre. Well, because I mean, do you think? I mean, and I don't, I don't, I still don't point the finger at Game One for Andre. I thought the Lightning gave up way too many high danger scoring chances. But do you think like that game for Vasilevsky was that kind of all right? Well, let's get that out of the way and let's move on. Because since then, Vasilevsky has looked more like the Vasilevsky you saw in the four games and the last two and the four games against Florida and the two last the last two in Game Six and Seven against Toronto. Yeah, and, and I think I think part of that is is they're notorious for not having their strongest game in the first game of the series. But I think I also think that you know from the second period of game two onward, they they changed the way they played a little bit, and and like you said, they, they cut down on the on the number of fancy pants plays they were trying to make offensively. They they got they they played more conservatively to the Lightning, and and certainly cut down on the number of turnovers that they were generating that then would lead to Rangers' chances the other way. So you know I, I think overall they've made life easier for him, um, but but he also I think has gotten stronger as the series has gone on. Yeah, it's it's only getting better, and it's going to be interesting to see how well, because this was, for me, one of the biggest goaltending matchups since Berdurois 01. That's what Maddie Marchese and I discussed <laughs> a couple weeks ago. But I asked Peyton Turns this, and I'm going to ask you this one here too, Greg. Given the fact that the ads are going to have this long layoff, either between, I believe it's 8 and 11 days minimum, between minimum max between Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals and their win last night against Edmonton, do does whoever comes out of this Eastern Final maybe be the favorite to win it all because the abs might be a little too rusty for whoever comes out of this East between the Rangers and lightning. I think they'd be the favorite to win game one. <laughs> I don't know if that necessarily portends to winning the whole series. I mean, we saw what happens with a big layoff. I mean, lightning 
certainly weren't the lightning in game one after uh, being on, on their uh, behinds for as long as they were after the Florida series. And the Rangers played a, a, an elimination game. They came back, you know, 48 hours later and, and, and played another game. They were right in their rhythm. The lightning weren't. So the beginning of the next series, I wouldn't even be surprised if, like, the road team was close to being a favorite in that game one, considering how much the layoff could affect Colorado. But the other thing that's going to happen for them, though, is that they're going to rest up. They're going to they're going to heal up. There's a you know there's a chance uh, at some point in the final that that Kadri could come back. Um, it's it's only good at this point in the playoffs to get some rest. But uh, the other thing too is that you would just assume that it's the Stanley Cup final. They're not going to be <laughs> they're going to be able to shake the rust off pretty quickly when they need to. Um, and and that. That, that's probably what we'll end up seeing. Yeah, that, it'll, it's going to be very interesting. Last thing here, Greg, before we let you go here, what do you think of the, I mean, McKinnon and Landeskog, they touched the Campbell Conference trophy last night. I showed a picture of Steve Eisman carrying the thing and all, every single time he won the cup with Detroit. What is your take on that? Do, are you hot and bothered by the two guys touching the trophy last night? No, the, 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 the conference championship trophy, like voodoo, I never believed in. I, I, I didn't really buy that. It's not like the Stanley Cup, which is like real, which is you can't touch the cup if you want to win it. That's a real thing. Like yeah. It's actually like a you know canonical curse. Um, but the conference trophy thing, I mean, I, they could have taken it to a strip club for all I care last night, and it would have been fine. Well, the Florida um, Panthers but, uh, aren't in it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's right. That's right. They hold. They hold. The, they hold that down. That tradition. Uh, so yeah, I don't. I don't have any problem with that voodoo. But don't don't touch the cup before you win it. That's that's real. And that's why I will never win the cup because I touched him when I was a kid. I ruined it forever. Oh man, it's it'll be it'll be fun to see who comes out <laughs> of the Eastern Conference Finals. We've been talking here with ESPN's Greg Wyshynski. Greg, I cannot thank you enough for stopping by today. Have a good time tonight. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs, and we'll definitely have to catch up down the line, my friend. Yeah, my my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that is Greg Wyshynski, ladies and gentlemen, from ESPN. Jumping on for just a few minutes with us here today. Cody Jansen, Say Life Project, crushing peanut butter beers is A+. I disagree, Cody. I think peanut butter beers are disgusting. That's how we come out of an interview with Greg Wyshynski, talking about craft beer. Um, Andrew Bushens, Tyler, go Rangers. Tampa never touches it. They are cha- they are chatters. They are chatters, Andrew. Is that they're chatters? Are you trying to say cheaters or chatters? Uh, Say Life Project, crushing your team. Go Rangers. Cursing your team. Oh, that's what, sorry. I can't read today. Lots of stuff going on here, guys. But I got to remind you, if you want the best player tracking information in these playoffs, be sure to check out Quack Stats. Follow Quack Stats on social media. Go check out their website as well and app today, Quack Stats, for more of the best player tracking during these playoffs. And I think that's a great way to end the show here, guys. Thanks to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Still can't believe I got a chance to talk to him. That was pretty cool. Also, Peyton Turnage as well and Eric Friesen from Heavy Hockey Network. Thank you all for watching this edition of World Hockey Report. Now, remember, like I said, we will be back tomorrow. Cody Jansen will be hosting noon Mountain Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Time, as well as I will be hosting again on Thursday. However, an earlier start time, so don't panic. We'll still be here. But we will host for a little bit. I will be on from 10 a.m. until 11 11 p.m., 11 a.m., so just one hour on Thursday. Got a couple things myself I have to take care of, but we're going to make sure we at least get you ready for Game 5 on Thursday night. That'll be at MSG Between the Lightning and the Rangers and talk about anything else that happens. So that'll be, like I said, 10 o'clock Mountain Time, noon Eastern Time for Thursday show. A little programming note for you guys there. Cody Jansen, Quack Stats, 100%. That's right. Quack Stats, yeah. Stuff and things, things and stuff. Uh, but no one, no problems there, guys. It'll be fun. 
And thank you all very much for watching, as always. Don't forget, if you just missed the interview with Greg Wyshynski, don't panic. If you missed Peyton's interview, don't panic. If you missed Eric's interview, do not panic. If you listen to me talk to myself, well, you can panic because it was probably the greatest five minutes. No, I'm kidding. Don't worry about that. Uh, don't worry, because A, you can watch the On Demand on 12-Ounce Sports right here on World Hockey Report's Twitter or even the Hockey Podcast Network on YouTube. But it's okay if you don't feel like looking at my ugly mug, that's fine. I understand. I respect your decision. My wife respectfully disagrees, but it's okay. Be sure to check it out on your favorite podcast app as well. Thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network and the great guys over there, Romy and gang, always helping us out, getting the audio out to you. So you can find the World Hockey Report on your favorite podcatcher, all on YouTube and all on the podcast, folks. That's right, City Life Project. You are correct. I don't mind all three Andrew Beauchens. That is true 100%. I respectfully disagree too, buddy. Wait, dis- wait, hold on. With my, what is he? Kelly! Uh, she's gone. She left. She probably ran away. I can't tell what you're disagreeing about. Am I, is it my ugly mug or not looking? I don't know. City Life Project has confused me. And that's a great way to end the show. We'll be back tomorrow. You're on World Hockey Report, guys. And, and definitely all that and stuff. So yeah, goodbye!